Tatiana Jovanovic, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Welcome to Changemaker Q&A, where we answer questions from young Aussies about social change to better equip and empower you to change the world. If you have a question about making change happen, just head to the link in the episode description to leave us an audio or a written question, or head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. No question is too big or too small. We can help you with anything from breaking into the social change sector, questions about specific topics or issues you don't quite understand, or advice on how you can best take action to make a difference in the world. Now, on to today's question. Okay, today's question is, what importance do human rights have for those of us that aren't working on human rights issues, but are instead working in areas like sustainable development? This is a really important question. Human rights aren't just for human rights issues like refugee rights or indigenous rights or women's rights or LGBTQI plus rights. Human rights are actually at the center of all of the social justice, sustainable development or humanitarian issues that we're working to address. Now, human rights are not only a kind of moral justification for our obligations towards others in these issues, but they're kind of an important part of the approach that we should take in our work as change makers and beyond. Now, human rights are the fundamental principles that recognize the inherent value of each and every person, regardless of their background, where they live, what they look like, what they might think or what they might believe. Now, when we talk about human rights today, it's usually based upon the kind of universally accepted rights that are posited through the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So to answer this question in this episode, I want to go over just a brief history of human rights, kind of explaining how we got from kind of older concepts of human rights um, up to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, before then explaining how you can use a rights-based approach in any work that you're doing as a change maker. So starting with kind of early conceptions of rights. So throughout history, when people referred to rights, there were generally two types of rights that they would refer to. There were natural rights and legal rights. Now, the idea of human rights is very closely related to that of a natural right. Natural rights are kind of considered to be things that exist beyond the authority of any government or international body to dismiss. Natural rights have traditionally kind of been viewed as exclusively negative rights, Um, but the difference between negative rights and positive rights, which are what kind of like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights includes, is that negative rights, they basically require others to abstain from causing harm or interfering with you or your actions, whereas positive rights, they require others to kind of provide you something, provide you with a good or a service of some kind of benefit. So the concept of natural rights comes from um, a kind of a philosophical concept of natural law. Natural law is basically a philosophy that asserts humans kind of have these certain rights inherent in them just by virtue of being human. Um, Within our human nature, it kind of um, inherently provides us with these usually negative rights. So these rights have been endowed by nature, traditionally kind of seen as like a god or some kind of transcendent source, and they can kind of be understood universally through human reason. So if we move on to um, one of the most important um, kind of moral or 
legal um, progressions that we had with human rights. We have something called the Cyrus Cylinder. So throughout a lot of history, many ancient civilizations, uh, like maybe the ancient Near East or ancient Egypt, they kind of supported these ideas of basic human rights. Um, but there was no like official doctrine to kind of determine what moral or legal entitlements that people had. Um, and then in the year 539 BC, Cyrus the Great, after conquering the city of Babylon, did something really unexpected. He freed all of the slaves home um, and they were able to return to wherever they came from. And he declared that people should be able to choose their own religion. So he inscribed these rights onto um, a clay tablet um, full of all of his statements called the Cyrus Cylinder. And this was kind of like the first human rights declaration in history. And historians think that after the Cyrus Cylinder, the idea of human rights quickly spread to India, Greece, and eventually Rome. Another really important um, document was the Magna Carta. And I'm actually looking at an English translation of the Magna Carta that I have um, pinned to the wall at my desk. I got it when I was at um, the Salisbury Cathedral in the UK and my family called it my nerd scroll. Um, but my nerd scroll is um, the Great Charter is what the Magna Carta translates to. Um, and it was a really pivotal um, document when it comes to kind of more contemporary human rights. So the Magna Carta or the Great Charter um, came about in 1215 after King John of England violated a whole bunch of ancient laws and customs um, by which England had been governed at that time, and his subjects forced him to sign the Magna Carta. It basically um, catalogues what later became um, thought of as human rights. So among them, there was the right of the church to be free from government interference, the rights of all citizens to um, own and inherit property, and to be protected from things like excessive taxes. It also established the right of widows who owned property to actually choose not to remarry, and it established a whole bunch of principles of due process and equality before the law. It also contained provisions forbidding bribery and official misconduct, and it widely, it's widely viewed as um, probably the most important legal document in the development of modern democracy. So the Magna Carta was a real turning point in the struggle to establish freedom and dispel the notion that the king or governments are above the law. Then we have uh, the Petition of Rights. So the modern human rights movement was really shaped by doctrine like the Petition of Rights. So in 1628, uh, the Petition of Rights set out the rights of people. It was one of England's most famous constitutional documents written by Parliament as an objection to the overreach um, of authority by King's, King Charles I. Uh, during his reign, English citizens saw this overreach of authority as a major infringement on their civil rights. Fast forward... Um, hundred years or so and then we have the Declaration of Independence. So on the 4th of July 1776 the United States Congress approved the Declaration of Independence. The primary author Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration as a formal explanation of why Congress had voted on the 2nd of July to declare their independence from Great Britain. More than a year after the outbreak of the American Revolutionary War. Um, and it was a statement announcing that 13 American colonies were no longer a part of the British Empire. 
So Congress issued the Declaration of Independence in several forms, and it was initially published as a printed broadsheet that was widely distributed and read to the public. Philosophically, the Declaration of Independence kind of stressed two major themes. The first was the individual rights of people and the right to revolution. So these ideas became really widely held by Americans um, and it spread internationally as well and is said to have had a huge influence on the French Revolution. Then in 1789, we have the Declaration of the Rights of Man and the Citizen. So this was um, during the French Revolution when the um, National Constituent Assembly of France set the Declaration of Rights and Man of the Citizen, um, stating that all citizens are equal under the law. And then in 1945, we have the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which has kind of shaped... um, what we consider to be the universally accepted rights um, of all people around the world. So in April of 1945, delegates from the 50 allied nations met in San Francisco for the United Nations Conference on International Organization. So the goal of this conference was to basically fashion an international body to promote peace and prevent future wars, i.e. to actually form the United Nations. So the ideals of the organisation were stated in the preamble to the proposed charter. It said that we, the peoples of the United Nations, are determined to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war, which twice in our lifetime has brought untold sorrow to mankind. So this charter of the new United Nations organisation went into effect on the 24th of October 1945, and that's a date that is now celebrated each year as United Nations Day. I'm someone who loves learning, and I'm always looking for opportunities to grow my knowledge and skills, and that's why I swear by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can explore thousands of classes in design, photography, business, and so much more. Since joining Skillshare, I've taken classes in things like watercolor art, design thinking, art journaling, storytelling through video, art activism, podcasting, and I even use Skillshare to learn Spanish. If you're new to Skillshare, you can get started with a free trial to get unlimited access to the entire catalogue with a premium membership. Just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash Skillshare for a free trial. And if you're already a Skillshare member, make sure to take our Social Change 101 class. So all of the member states of the United Nations pledged to work together to promote all 30 articles of human rights that for the first time in history had been assembled and codified into a single document. So in consequence, many of these rights in various forms are today part of a lot of different constitutional laws of different democratic nations. So with all of this said, we have an understanding of how we got to where we are today when it comes to the history of human rights. How do we actually apply human rights in our work if we're not explicitly working to defend particular human rights? So applying a rights-based approach in your work is a way that can kind of promote human dignity within the communities that you're working in, um, but it also has benefits. It also results in far more sustainable development. So using a rights-based approach, particularly within the context of community development, um, but in general work across the social change space is kind of a newer way of thinking about um, and designing and managing different projects where you're guided by the values and the principles that inform international human rights standards. 
So um, particularly within the context of community or international development, you can contrast this with the traditional approach to development, which kind of involves um, addressing the needs of a particular community um, and it favours initiatives that might require the least amount of resources like time or funding. Um, and the more traditional approach it kind of involves um, practitioners coming in and saying, okay, what are the presenting issues that this community faces and what's the most efficient way to address their needs? Um, but by contrast, using a rights-based approach would ask the question, what rights are being neglected by the people in this situation and how can we address these rights and empower them to then address the needs of their own community? So taking a rights-based approach to community or international development work or work across the social change space involves going kind of beyond this traditional approach of just considering the issues at face value and taking into consideration um, needs like material resources. The rights-based approach involves using these humanitarian principles that you might be familiar with, um, things like participation, accountability, non-discrimination, to kind of guide and influence the choices that are made at each stage of a project. This approach means that a lot of projects are going to develop quite differently than if they had merely sought to address the minimum needs of the community. And as such, a rights-based approach means that we see people from the communities that we're working with actually become agents of change themselves, not just passive recipients of aid or charity. Um, beyond the kind of the equity that's demanded by a rights-based approach, it's also uh, results in far more sustainable development. So for development to be sustainable, when we think of the sustainable development goals, issues like poverty have to be addressed beyond just their physical causes. If progress towards development is made without accompanying progress in areas that are fundamental to human rights, then it's likely the results are only going to be short term. There are other systemic causes that need to be identified, understood and challenged to actually achieve sustainable development and the people who are affected by those must be provided with a voice and the space to actually participate in the decisions that affect them. When we force development practitioners to consider and address the capacity, choices and power that's required for people to enjoy their own human rights, it means that with the right resources, support and training, people in the communities that we're working with will be far more empowered to solve their own issues and they'll be able to continue this as new issues arise in the future. So hopefully that answers your question about uh, what human rights are and why human rights are important, even to change makers who aren't necessarily working um, within the human rights space. I will leave a link to any relevant resources down below in the episode show notes as usual. Don't forget that you guys can um, leave us a question if you have a question about anything social change related that you would like answered. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, it would really mean a lot to myself and my team if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform. So feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.